we are in a series called Cheat Codes, and what we've been talking about is the fact that you've probably seen people in your life in different areas, and maybe you have certain people you follow in certain areas. So maybe you follow one person because you like their, how they're, they look at health. You look at some person because they're always happy, and you're, you're trying to figure it out. Well, m- most likely, those people have stumbled upon cheat codes in order to be successful in life. And so we've talked about some of those cheat codes in the past. We've talked about forgiveness. Forgiving people, people who are good at forgiveness, has found a cheat code that removes bitterness from their lives and they get to move freely throughout their life with the cheat code of forgiveness. Um, Pastor Michelle talked about empathy, the idea that we can put ourselves in other people's shoes, which is almost impossible nowadays in our culture. It's all about the other. It's all about them, all about the boogeyman, all about however your social media algorithm has placed who other is. It's all about that. And for people who can use the cheat code of empathy, they seem to navigate everything a little bit better. Um, So this morning, what we're going to be talking about is the cheat codes of healthy boundaries. Now, I brought with me uh, my Legos, and for so I can just look out, and I know that some of you have been in my office when I've brought out the Legos. That's okay. That's good. Every couple that I um, uh, help out in their premarital counseling, I bring out the Legos. Because here's what I've found in now my 16th year of being a pastor. In my office, several things will happen during the week. I will be maybe studying for a sermon series, or I'll be on the phone, or what have you. Um, Or I'll be talking to a new couple who's about to get married. Or that same couple, or a similar couple, will be in my office with an issue, (laughs) a problem. And nobody wants to have issues in their relationships. Nobody wants to be in my office. It's like being in the principal's office. It's very scary. I'm very intimidating. And so they are there, and the one spouse is sitting on one side of the couch, and the other spouse is sitting on the other side of the couch. And I wonder to myself, how did we get here when I know for a fact when we were standing here doing the vows Nobody said, and I promise to have an affair. Nobody says that. As a matter of fact, since we're on that subject, let's say this is an affair, okay? And we all agree, no matter who we are, 100%, probably, we'd get to the place where everyone agrees you're not supposed to do this. We all do that, right? We all know that. When you stand up and you do vows, which happens right about here, you do not say, well, till death do us part or until I find somebody better, (laughs) okay? We don't do that. So how do we get from here to there? And more importantly, how do we get past to where we find ourselves in a place in our life we never intended to be, and it doesn't have to be an affair. It could be how we use our finances. It could be other parts of our relationships. It could be how we handle conflict. Maybe we have outbursts of anger, 
And we just tell ourselves, I know I'm not supposed to have an outburst of anger. I know that. This is the boundary. I'm not going to blow up. You know, we're heading into the holidays, and uh, if you're into, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you guys know, I'm preaching to the choir. Having family over can be really stressful. Having office Christmas parties can be really stressful. And you know in the office Christmas party, or Cheryl, or Jim, or Frank, or whoever, they know they're not supposed to get drunk at the Christmas party. They know that. And yet, Christmas party after Christmas party after Christmas party, they have to send out an email. Yeah, about Thursday night's Christmas party. I had had a little bit too much to drink. How do you stop blowing through the barrier that you know you're not supposed to blow through? And yet, I find in my particular ministry People blow past the boundaries we all agree you're not supposed to blow past. What's happening there? Well, this morning, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the idea of not setting your boundary right at the end of the line. If I know that having an affair is wrong, which we would all agree... I probably shouldn't be right up against the boundary (laughs) because what if I make a mistake? It knocks over. And I don't want to knock it over because it took me like an hour and a half to put these up last night. Okay. How do you do do that? So I'm going to tell you a little story and um, you can kind of follow along and in your mind you'll see some cues that I'm giving you. But we'll say there's... um, uh, we'll call it uh, Joe and Kim, okay? Now, I'll probably forget those names because I just made them up just now. Well, I didn't make up the names. Those are actual names, but I made up the people, Joe and Kim, okay? And so uh, Joe is, uh, works at an office, and Kim works at the same office, um, and Joe is married. And so Joe goes to the office every day. He's a very hard worker. The business they're in is killing it. They're doing great. Everybody's making money, but it's kind of stressful, and they're long hours. And so Joe is at the office quite a bit, and he's starting to have some marital issues. What I tell young couples, just real quick as an aside, you don't set your boundary for who you are now. When I tell a couple... And I tell them about setting boundaries to protect their relationship. They look at me like I'm an idiot. That if I understood the love they feel for each other, (laughs) that they would die for each other. They would run out in front of a car to save the other person's life. They don't need boundaries. Love is the boundary. Okay? And then in seven years, they come back to my office and go, yeah, we probably should have set better boundaries. So Joe and Kim, they're at uh, the thing. Joe's, Joe's marriage, even though he's making pretty good money or whatever, uh, and you can swap it for whatever gender you are, I don't care. Uh, things aren't going that great at home. And so one late night, they're working, and Joe says to Kim, yeah, Kim says, yeah, I've noticed you've been kind of down. And Joe says, yeah, things aren't that great in my marriage. Now, 
I've read the whole Bible. I'm a professional Bible reader. There is nothing in the Bible that says you can't talk to a coworker about your marriage. Nothing. Okay, maybe proverb. No, there's nothing in there that says you can't do that. So they're at the water cooler. And he's going on, yeah, you know, we're just not seeing eye to eye anymore or whatever. And she's like, oh, Joe, I'm so sorry you're going through that. And he's like, wow, yeah, I really, thanks. I really appreciate that. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't talk to a coworker at the water cooler. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke to a woman at the water cooler. <laughs> I, I found it in the Bible, woman at the well, Okay. She's at the water cooler. He's at the water cooler. He just says, hey, what's going on? They're talking about her marriage. Well, actually, the five marriages before. But Jesus is there, and he's talking about, he's at the water cooler. It's in the Bible. Yes, way to go, Joe. You're just like Jesus. So they go, and they're doing great. And she's checking in on him just to make sure he's okay. And he's doing all right. And so they end up working late. And they decide on a Friday night. It's happy hour. Everybody from the work is going to happy hour. Nope, you can go to happy hour. There's nothing in the Bible that says, well, what if somebody has a beer? Mm-hmm. Hey, Jesus turned water into wine. There we go. So he's at the water cooler. He turns water into wine. Jesus, good. Thank you. We're all good. You can go to happy hour. Nothing in the Bible says that's wrong. Nothing. So they're at happy hour and everybody leaves except for Joe and Kim and they're talking because she's really helping him with his marriage. And so they're talking and they're, it's really awesome. And then Joe realizes because he's very, uh, he's a good guy, Kim has had too much to drink. She, she can't drive, drive home. And so Joe, being very chivalrous, uh, decides to help people. Helping people is all through the Bible. That's all he's doing. He's just taking her home to make sure she's safe. Good job, Joe. Just like the Bible, you're helping people. Is it wrong to drive Kim home? No, I can't see anything in the Bible that says it's wrong to drive somebody home when they've had too much to drink and you're married. Never, nothing in there like that. And so Joe drives Kim home, and maybe this time nothing happens, but I only had to start that conversation. All I had to say, was Joe's at work talking to Kim about his marriage and every single person here was like, Joe, don't, don't do that. Don't do that, Joe. Joe, that's not a good idea. Is it wrong? I can't find anything in the Bible. My point this morning that I'd like to make is maybe Christians... If you're not a Christian yet, or you are new to the Bible, you're off the hook. Do whatever you want. I'm talking to Christians because we are professional loophole finders. Yeah, that's all the Christians, right? Because they all know, right? Even when it says no in the Bible, we go, oh, well, the Greek and this and then context and blue, blue, blue. We know how to do it. We're professionals. I, I know. I do this for a living. It's like we're professional loophole finders, but... When it comes to somebody else's life, you can see it so easily, can't you? You look at somebody and they're like, hey, I think I'm going to go out on a date. And you're like, oh my, no, don't do that. Because we can see other people's lives a lot better than we see ours when we're right up to the border. Here's what else I've noticed. Our boundaries 
may seem foolish to other people. In other words, you might have boundaries in your life that you can't even defend to other people. And so there's this pressure to be like, well, if I set my boundary here, I'm admitting that I might struggle with that down there. Maybe I'm admitting that I'm weak or I'm not good at something or whatever. So I don't, I want to say, I want to be able to say, I'm married. I'm not going to ever have an affair. I'm right up to it. I don't even care. You could put whatever supermodel right here. I'm not doing anything. Maybe. And yet, people keep showing up in my office. Huh. I wonder what that is. Well, let me give you another little quick example. And we'll, we will get to the Bible. Okay? I promise. Let's say I told you, you said, what did you do this weekend? And I said, oh, this weekend, I borrowed a shotgun from a neighbor. I turned off all the lights in my house, locked all the doors, and I sat in my garage in the corner in the dark. Okay? Okay. Right? You're going, bro. Cuckoo. Right? Now. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is good. Good. You guys get it. You get it. You're very smart. Now, let's say, what did you do this weekend? I actually won the lottery. I won the lottery Friday night, and it's $20 million. And I have the ticket. But I can't turn it in until Monday. So what I did was, I was so freaked out because I had this lottery ticket that I borrowed a shotgun from my neighbor. I know it sounds weird. But I didn't know what else to do. And so I hid the lottery ticket in the corner of my garage in a box that's inside of a box that's inside of a box. (laughs) And I sat right up against that box. And I turned off all the lights. And I waited Saturday and Sunday until Monday. Nobody's laughing now. Because you're like, well, did you save the lottery ticket? That's the only thing you care about. Did I save the lottery ticket? I did, and I turned it, no, I didn't, because I wouldn't be here, but (laughs) the, did you save the lottery ticket? That's all that matters. Now, I'm just going to brag on my wife for a little bit. She's not here. She's actually working in the nursery, all you people. Uh, So, but that's what I feel about my marriage. I won the lottery. So I am not going to spend my life going like, hey, I got the lottery ticket. Woo! Here's some fire. Oh, right? Because it's too valuable. Now, for me, it's my marriage. For you, it might be your finances. It might be some other relationship. It might be some other thing that's just very, very valuable to you. And so what I do to protect my lottery ticket might not seem um, normal to you. Like I have certain boundaries I've set up to protect my marriage. I won't tell you what they are because I don't care what you think. They're my boundaries. It's my marriage. It's my lottery ticket. 
In so many areas of our life, we say, I know I'm not supposed to do it. I'll give you another example, and then I'll give you my boundaries on this example. We live in a social media age, okay? And I joke about social media quite a bit, but it truly can be very destructive. So um, uh, I was teaching a class yesterday, and somebody asked me if I was related to the other Rittenhouse, okay? And uh, I'm like, all written houses are related. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, the trial, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And so I'm like, oh, I'm sure we're related, like, you know. And so he was, acqui he was acquitted, and like everything blew up. And I didn't even know what was going on. I, I, I don't know anything. The reason I don't know what's happening in that trial, which I guess is over now, is because my mental health is like my lottery ticket. I don't have the luxury to have my emotions used up by social media. I have to be in my office talking to people face to face, and I have to be present. And if they come in with a MAGA hat, or they come in with an AOC for president t-shirt, I don't have the luxury to be able to label them. I have to be present. And so in order for me to be present, I don't have a Twitter account. You say, John, is it in the Bible that you can't have a Twitter account? No, it's not in the Bible. John, what, why, why not Twitter? There's, you know, John, there's a lot of good things on Twitter. I get most of my news from Twitter. I, it, it all depends on who you follow. That's great for you. Have a nice day. Go tweet till you die. I don't care. I can't. I can't. Facebook. Here's, so, I'm go, so I got to get away from, from my mental health. I have to be present for you. I have to. So I'm going to move away from there. And now I go to Facebook. No Twitter, just on Facebook, right? Here's my boundary. This is a little thing. I went back and forth of whether I should tell you this or not, but I think it's important. If you post something on Facebook and it bothers me, you're gone. <laughs> Is that awesome? You're like, hey, you know what I think about Kyle Rittenhouse? Gone. What? My Facebook feed is literally like puppies and flowers. I get on there and I'm like, oh, someone went on vacation. Oh, yay. Oh, oh here's what I think about politics. Gone. Gone. So we go to Instagram, because Instagram is a little bit safer, little pictures, stuff like that. I'll stay on Instagram for a little bit, but I still do a thing I call post and ghost. I post, and then I'm out. I don't spend time doing that. I don't. Now, you go, John, man, you're like so militant about this stuff. I have to be present. I don't have the luxury to be outraged on things, spoiler alert, that none of you can change. I don't care what the verdict is, you can't change it. You can't change anything. First of all, we don't live in Wisconsin. Thank God, right? Well, we don't. We live in California. So I have to protect myself mentally so that I can be present, so that when you walk into the office and you say, man, this Kyle Rittenhouse shooting's really got me down. I say, well, tell me about it. What are you scared of? What are you... I don't know any of the facts of the the thing. I don't have an opinion other than that he should change his last name. That's it. That's all I have.
I have to be present, okay? So where do you get this from, John? You talked about Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, getting drunk, having affairs. This is the best sermon I've ever preached, okay? Let's get to the Bible. The Apostle Paul is talking to a church in, in Ephesus, this little town, this town called Ephesus, and it's very similar to uh, like a Western um, uh, culture, okay? It's affluent. It's, uh, they're talking about stuff that, you know, they're, they're involved in things that you and I probably wouldn't be interested in. Maybe we would be, who knows? But he's talking to this, this pastor, Timothy. If you read First or Second Timothy, if you're new to the Bible and you're like, Timothy, who's Timothy? He was the pastor of that church in Ephesus. So not only did Paul write a letter to the church in Ephesus, he also wrote a couple letters to this other pastor. Here's how you deal with psycho people. And so He's going through all these things. Here's how you set parameters. Here's how you set boundaries, Timothy. Here's what it's going to be like when you get a whole bunch of diff people with different perspectives, different worldviews, different ethnicities, different cultures together. Here's how you navigate those things. But he wrote a letter to the actual church in Ephesus. And basically, he's saying everything we would say to each other. Our culture is weird. Like, we're so upset about everything. And we really get, I remember, I don't know if you remember, but uh, several sermons back, probably, I don't know, 12 or 13 of them, uh, I talked about the dopamine reward loop, okay? So like you get this dopamine hit, and it's like, woo, and then you're like, click, woo, and it's just, it's a cycle. Well, in America especially, and, or any affluent society, all of society gets into that. And they start getting into these rewards. We're no longer hunting or foraging or spending all of our energy actually doing that. We're on our, on our phones and doing, doing all those things. So Paul is writing to them saying, hey, be careful. The days are evil. If, you, if you're just in culture and you lift your legs up and relax, culture is going to take you to a place you don't want to be. Culture is going to take you right up into the edge. And further, I know it's a little backwards, but I believe in an enemy, Satan. I really do. And he wants to go, you can get right. Why don't you climb on top? It's cool. You're not going over, right? And then right when you go over, oh, you're a bad person. Shame on you. So Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. And here's the warning he gives. Be very careful, then, how you live. In other words, pay attention to where you are in conjunction to the person you don't want to be. Nobody wants to be a person who has to file bankruptcy. But we run up credit card debt. Nobody wants to be a person who has an affair. But we really need to be liked. Nobody likes those things. Paul says this. Look, 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 look. Be very careful how you live. Don't, don't think in terms of, oh, is it right or is it wrong? That's not the question we should ask ourselves. Because we know the answer to that. I know it, what's wrong and what's right. I know what's in the Bible. And yet... Week after week, month after month, people sit in my office knowing what they did was wrong, and now they're trying to rebuild something that they've broken. What Paul is saying is, 
I want you to evaluate every area of your life. I want you to be very careful how you live, what you watch, what goes in, how you think, who you're around. Be very careful then. The reason he says then, and I'll just count on you guys to read prior to this, to put it into context. He's basically saying, it's nuts out there. (laughs) It's crazy out there. You can find, as a matter of fact, I didn't do this because I have another boundary, but um, you could look up and probably find people with opinions that even the thing you know is wrong, they're probably blogging about how it's right, right? Be very careful then how you live. And then here's what he uses as a litmus test. Not as unwise, but as wise. Notice he doesn't say, not as uh, wrong, but right. Not as unholy, but holy. No, no, no. He blows through all of our loopholes. All of them. And he personalizes it. Not as unwise, but as wise. So, for, in that case, my boundary if it's back here, might be on an issue that you have no problem with. Maybe you have no problem with your finances, with relationships, with anything else. And so your, your boundaries may be here or whatever because God didn't tell you to set your boundary back there. Or you didn't get so close to here, you got really nervous and you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want any of that. I'm coming back to here. Not as unwise, but as wise. Paul's not talking about what's right or wrong. He's saying that there's a God who created you that knows you that says, here's how we're going to navigate your life. Making the most of every opportunity. So, so think about how cool this is. And maybe, I don't know, I, I love the Bible. You should read your Bible. There's just so much great stuff in there. But that, that there's in every opportunity. You say, John, I'm not smart enough to, to read the Bible and, as a theologian. Okay, just make the most of the opportunity you have. That's why we do Wednesday nights. Of course, we're canceled this Wednesday night because we have Thanksgiving the next day. And um, so don't worry about that. But that's why we go through the Wednesday night word thing is because I want to show you that you can get on your app Do the daily readings and go, man, that's kind of weird. And then you'll see everybody knows it's weird. And you go, okay, I can read the Bible. Right. You're making the most of that opportunity. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar. And maybe maybe you're um, uh, in a a, uh, place of business that is, you know, maybe you're the only Christian there. And you're thinking, oh, man, I don't know how to share my faith. He's not asking you to do it perfectly. He says, just live your life, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, which means that I get to go through life and ask myself, God, what would you like me to do in this opportunity? What would you like me to do in this opportunity? How would you like to use me in this opportunity? Instead of, God, is it right or is it wrong? I don't want to do the wrong thing. The Apostle Paul, your relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wants to move you past the 
a sin management view of Christianity. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I only want to do the right thing. That's great. Have that. But how does it play out? We ask ourselves the question, what is the wise thing to do? Not, is it right or wrong? Why do we do this? Why do we make the uh, most of every opportunity? Because the days are evil. I mean, again, how much do you have to look at social media, the news, whatever, whatever their, guy, their names are, the Fox guy and the other gal, Rachel Maddow and the other guy, Tucker, Tucker, Bob Tucker. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Tucker Carlson, okay. Whether you're on either side, I don't care what you have to say about anything. Because it's right or wrong? No. Because I have to make the most of every opportunity. So I can't get bogged down with stuff that's going to mire me in things where I can't help somebody. Imagine this. I'll put it this way. And this goes for everybody, not just being a pastor. Because my job is just to try this stuff out before I tell it to you. <laughs> so, so imagine God has placed in your life I don't even want to say the word. A Republican. Oh, I know, it's terrible. Or a Democrat. Oh my goodness. And he says, what I want you to do to make the most of this opportunity is to treat that person with respect. And you have spent three hours that day talking about why this person across from you is not only wrong, they're actually the problem with America and they're actually evil. Okay? And now, God says, hey, here's an opportunity to share your life, to maybe comfort someone who's in need. And you can't get past their political beliefs. That's not Jesus. <laughs> it's not even close. We make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's too easy to ostracize people. It's too easy. It's, I can do it in two seconds. Pick a topic, I can go into my office, and with a half an hour, I can come out angry. I can. It's very simple. He goes on, therefore, don't be foolish. Don't waste your time. Don't get right up to the thing. If I told you that I was going out to dinner with some, you know, somebody from work, or whatever, it's just, you'd go, John, that's foolish. You won the lottery. Why are you messing around with the ticket? Oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. Don't be foolish. And then he puts it into the most personal thing way you can put it. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is for you. The Lord's will for me might be radically different than you. I have boundaries in my life that you would think were the dumbest boundaries you could possibly imagine. It would be almost arrogant to say what they are because you'd be like, oh, holier than thou. No, I'm just scared to death of myself. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. So I'll give you one, one last example and then we'll, we'll wrap up. He goes on right after this, because you're thinking, wow, this is like really good stuff, hopefully. And so you're reading, but understand what the will of God is, right? Uh, understand what the Lord's will is. 
And then, right after that, he goes like this. Uh, do not get drunk with wine. You're like, I mean, really, when you read the whole thing, you're, it kind of comes out of, no, we, we weren't talking about wine. We weren't talking about anything like that. But Paul inserts it as an example. Everyone knows not to get drunk with wine. I mean, again, maybe you can find a blog where it's like, yeah, Wasted Wednesdays, they're awesome. I don't know, whatever. But you, you have, I just made that up. Okay, so you, you do not get drunk with wine, right? Why? Because it leads to debauchery. Okay? And we're like, well, okay, so maybe I had too much to drink, I got a little drunk, but I'm not debauched, right? But what, what is Paul saying? He's saying, do not be unwise, but wise. Understand what the Lord's will is. For example, everyone knows you don't get drunk with wine and lead to debauchery. We all know that. So he says, well, what do you do? Watch this. This is so funny. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, notice how quickly he gets away from the boundary. He gets away from this. He doesn't keep talking about because, you know, uh, you could become homeless and you could have liver disease and you could go, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. We know that. Let's move back, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. You mean to tell me if I spend most of my time trying to figure out what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe I'm not even worried about these things. He moves on and he says this. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. New American Standard says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Oh, wow, well, that, that, kind, of comes, that kind of gets me back here now, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to get drunk with wine, which is debauchery. And so I'd rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll spend my time doing that. Oh, and speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm not arguing about how, much, how many glasses of wine I'm supposed to have anymore. We're way past that. We're not talking about right or wrong. We're talking about what is wise. He goes on, sing. Now we're way back here. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Wait, wait, wait. I thought. Hold on a second. Okay, I thought we were talking about getting drunk. And now we end up with sing and make melody in your heart. Why? This is what wise people do. Wise people don't spend their life right up to the edge. They look at themselves and go, okay, in light of who I am, who I was, and who I want to be, what's the wise thing to do? I'll give you a very, very personal example. Uh, oh, it goes on, always giving thanks to God the Father, which we'll be talking about next week, by the way. Uh, we'll be talking about gratitude, the cheat code of gratitude. Uh, Father, in everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus uh, Christ. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a little example in my life. I can't drink, okay? I can't have alcohol. Um, you're like, oh my goodness. Oh, because you're a pastor? No. That's not, that's not it. Oh, because if somebody sees you on Instagram with a beer in your hand, then you could lose your ministry? No, that's not it. I'd probably have more people here if I did that. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, right, it's, it's not that. It's because of my family history, okay? 
It's because of who I know I am. And I'm just not good. Once I get something I like, I'm not really that great at regulating. So what I do, and you say, well, why should you even be our pastor then if you can't regulate yourself? Well, I don't know. But I do know this. If I put my boundary back here, and I just say, you know what, for me personally, in light of my family history, in light of the fact that I don't do that great, if, if I get like really into something, I really go into it in light of that, and in light of who I want to be. You know, the, the, you know, alcohol doesn't really do anything good for you other than, you know, loosens you up. You get to have great conversations. That happens for me naturally. So I don't worry about that, right? That's for me. That is for me. So God has placed boundaries in my life. I don't sit back and go, nah, having a glass of wine, huh? I don't. Never do that. You guys could all, we could be at a party. I don't care. But it's for me. And here's the question I want to ask as we wrap up. In light of my history, my current reality, and my future identity, I ask myself this question, what is the wise thing to do? I'll, I'll try to go back with that. In light of my history, so every dating relationship I had went horrible. Okay, I'm just using another example. In, in, in light of my current reality, I'm not dating anyone right now, and it's actually not that bad, and my future identity. At some point, I'd like to be married to a person who's not psycho, and I'd like to kind of build a life together. Okay, well then, who should I date? Well, who you should date is different for everybody. Well, this question is different for everybody. In light of my history, how I, okay, so another personal example. I don't make individual stock choices. When I, when I buy stocks, I don't pick them myself. Why? Because in light of my history, <laughs> right? You can go back to the last five times I picked my own stock. Right? My current reality, I don't have money to go throwing around everywhere. Okay? I'm a pastor. Spoiler alert. We're not rich. So in light of my history, I don't make good stock picks. My current reality, I don't really have a lot of money. And my future identity, at some point I would actually like to retire. Some point. What's the wise thing to do? Get a stockbroker that you trust and just every month put money into whatever happens. They can do it. Some hedge fund guy who drives a Ferrari. I don't know. I don't care. Just, it's just not for me. Well, insert you into whatever decision you're trying to make as the worship band comes back up. In light of your history, in light of your current reality, and in light of your future identity, what is the wise thing to do? Look at your, the way you use social media. In light of your history, every time you leave Facebook, you're angry. Okay? In light of your current reality, uh, you have heart palpitations, okay? And in light of your future identity, I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be the person, 
Just take this with a grain of salt. I don't want to be the person that shows up at an event and everyone goes, oh gosh, do not bring up gun control. Oh my goodness, do not bring up Joe Biden. Oh, that person's going to go nuts. Oh, do not bring up, I don't want to be that person. In light of my history, my current reality, and my future identity, it's probably good for me to stay off social media. You see? That's being wise. Oh, but Sam's on social media and he does great. Good for Sam. Knock yourself out, Sam. I've always liked Sam. Anyway, right? That's good for him. Oh, um, uh, Steve has a, a really good friend who's of the opposite sex and they talk all the time. Good for, good for him. Good for Steve. Way to go, Steve. For me, I won the lottery. I'm going to be back here. For me. In light of my history, in light of my current reality, in light of future identity, what is the wise thing to do? Here's what I know about you. You probably already know the answer. You were just looking for loopholes to continue down the path you've always continued down. So what we've done, and for those of you who are online, I'm sorry, uh, I don't know how to get you a Lego, but uh, in the back, when you exit, there are giant Legos. Don't touch those. Those are from children's ministry. Michelle already got me in trouble for that, um, but I was able to keep them. So the big ones, the big, big ones, leave those. But whatever size you want, maybe God, and we're going to end with one song here. Maybe as you're listening to that song or you're praying, God says, hey, I'd like you to take a step back a little bit. And maybe that's hard because you can't explain to anybody why you have the boundary you have because from a distance, they think it's dumb. Aren't you glad they're not running your life? And so you can take a Lego with you. Look, if you got a bunch of problems, you can take three, okay? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Just do it sneaky, like, oh, yeah, I don't even need any of these. You know, put them in your pocket. I don't know. As a reminder, maybe you put this on your computer. Maybe you put it on your dashboard in your car. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ten and two. That's all you can do. You're not allowed to use one hand for signaling. Maybe that's where you put it. Okay. Maybe it's on your computer. I don't know. I don't know where it is. But here's what I do know. All of us, me included, can do well to look at our boundaries and go, I'm going to assess and I think I'm going to move it back to here for now. Maybe in the future, the Lord says, no, nah, it's fine. Go ahead. And you leave that boundary and you go to this one. Who knows? He does. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you care about our decisions. You care about how we navigate our lives. You care about the boundaries we set. You help us build those boundaries. You're intimately involved in all of our, our shortcomings and insecurities and all those things. And you say, hey, 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 take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to move your boundary back to here because it's the best for you. Jesus, thank you for that. I pray as we 
play this next song and we are in a posture of listening to you that you would speak clearly. Lord, for some of us, you've spoken clearly. This is like the 15th reminder. Would you give us the courage to move our boundary back? Maybe to say no to a relationship. Maybe to have someone run our finances for us. Whatever it is, we trust you. We thank you that you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to stand for the blessing, go ahead. If not, don't worry about it. Uh, also, uh, if you would like a painted box, you can take one home. Just put it on your television. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't, don't do that, especially on football day. You don't want to do that. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in His peace, in His joy, and in His wisdom. Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.